Welcome to the Church Times podcast. Try 10 issues for £10 or two months access to our website and apps also for £10. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash new hyphen reader. Hello, this is Sarah Merrick with the Church Times Books podcast. And I'm in conversation today with Stephen Brown, one of our freelance contributors. And we're going to be talking about the book we've chosen as this month's book club title. And this month's pick is a novel called Jack by the American writer Marilyn Robinson, which came out in 2020. And Stephen, could you start, please, by telling us just a little bit about the story of Jack? Yes, it's not necessary for you to know the other other three books that precede it, but uh, it's part and parcel of a what's become a quartet of books by Marilyn Robinson about this family in Iowa. And the time zone does vary a little bit, uh, but it's mainly post Second World War, where uh, the different characters see things, perhaps the same things, but from different perspectives. It's been done before, of course, but uh, that that's interesting in itself. So when you get to Jack, which might be the first book you, you've read anyway, not read any of the sequels, it's a standalone book in the, in that respect. And in some ways, it's, it's easier to access than the other ones because it's it's earlier than the other ones. The, the previous books have been about a later period, whereas now we're coming to the understanding of where Jack is coming from. It's just immediately after the Second World War. It's set in Lewis in Missouri, and it's got a cast, really, of Jack, who is a bit of a prodigal son, and we'll get to know that fairly fairly soon in the, in the, in the process of the narrative. And his meeting with Della, who, if you haven't read any of the other books, um, it perhaps comes as a slight surprise to you that uh, she is black and he is white in a highly segregated uh, society of St. Louis, uh, uh, severely so, with with punishing uh, consequences if you uh, if, if you break any of the rules. So you've got uh, two people, star-crossed lovers in a sense, Romeo and Juliet in, in a sense, uh, being able or unable to actually uh, consummate that that uh, that love affair, and yet they consider themselves married to one another despite everything that uh, is in society uh, railing against them. That's the main theme of the of the book. But of course, we're hearing all the time about the backgrounds from which both of them come, mm. some of which is present in the in, in the previous book, particularly on Jack's Jack's side. Yeah, thank you. Um, I read one reviewer who said that, yes, it was part of this series, but they were like movements in a symphony. You know, you didn't have to have, you know, they, they stood alone, as, as you rightly point out. I also heard an interview the other day with Marilyn Robinson saying she never expected to write another book. I think right. she thought that Gilead was self-standing. That's the name of the first one. And more things have just sort of evolved over time, which is interesting. It's obviously something she couldn't quite leave alone, which I think is yeah. always interesting. We'll talk about the different themes in a minute, um, but let's just start with a word about the style because it's not a straightforward linear narrative, is it? And I wondered, is that was that in any way problematic for you as a reader? I, I didn't find it so. And I, in fact, slightly surprised when you said that because for me, it, it did flow and I didn't suddenly think, oh, where, where are we in this narrative? Where are we? I mean, it's, 
it's moving between Io a bit and and uh, Della, the, uh, the 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 black young woman, keeps going back to her uh, home family and goes to Chicago, I think, at one point, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it it seemed to mesh together well for me. I I didn't I didn't find that a problem, and maybe some people might might have thought it. And whether that's helped, I don't I don't think it is actually. By the previous three books that I'd read, I don't think so because uh, they're, they're 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 standalone as well. And as as you say, at its heart is a love story, um, and it's a complicated love story. And we'll come on to that in a minute. But I just wanted to read, this is just one lovely bit, I think, where Della describes um, what falling in love is. And she says, she says this, it's quite a long quote, but I think it's worth reading. But once in a lifetime, maybe, you look at a stranger and you see a soul, a glorious presence out of place in the world. And if you love God, every choice is made for you. There's no turning away. You've seen the mystery. You've seen what life is about, what it's for. And a soul has no earthly qualities, no history among the things of this world, no guilt or injury or failure, no more than a flame would have. There is nothing to be said about it, except that it is a wholly human soul, and it is a miracle when you recognise it. And I think that summarises some of what is going on in this book, this kind of dance around what it means to be human, what it means to be a child of God, what it means to, to, to love. I just wondered what yes, you thought about that. It is. I'm, I'm just grateful for you reading that. It's a tear-jerking passage, really. And I think that that sense of her, she's a, she's a Calvinist and very articulate about her brand of Christianity. I mean, she, she's done quite a lot of essay work as well. Um, what, what are we doing here? I think is, mm, I've got mm. a book of her essays that I've read. She would see the hand of God in everything that we're we're doing and and the choice the choices that we make hopefully are being at, at the very least uh, tugged by a divine grace and i think that's one of the things that she does so skillfully without it just sort of being a beating over the head with this is this is my this is my christian belief and i want you to believe it too it, i think she just sort of evokes it in a, such an eloquent way that it you don't really notice <laughs> What, what is happening and it's 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 wonderful in that respect it's interesting isn't it because it's not i don't think there are that many um novelists today who treat the subject of belief and faith um really well um you know i think i don't know whether it's hard to get published if you want to write, write about those things but this is very very much a presence in this in this book isn't it the discussion of faith and soul and god it's, it's absolutely there as you say you're not bashed over the head but it's the, woven through the whole fabric of the book. That's right. And then Jack in particular, we, we're getting, you know, a sceptic's view of things. He's been brought up, uh, well, he's had the, the benefit, or, or he perhaps wouldn't see it quite that way. He's certainly been exposed to both congregationalism and to Presbyterianism in, in his youth uh, through, through his Iowa background. And now Adela, a Methodist, uh, he is uh, also encountering uh, Christianity in a slightly different way again. But I think there's something, not because he had a terrible upbringing, I mean, there were kindly people back in Iowa, but there's something about this book, about that notion of Christianity being caught rather than taught, because he's drawn to this black community, this church community, 
in St. Louis that he that he attends ostensibly in order to get free free meals at the you know at the end of a service etc cetera, etc cetera. but he keeps going back again and uh, it's a, a fairly stern minister I mean it's quite severe with him in in, in many ways I don't suppose suspecting his bona fides so much but but really quite quite rigorous in, in in his examination of him and not least of course the fact that you know he is a white man in a black church yeah. and is is that dangerous and jack sort of thinks he's an atheist but he can't let go can he he, he, he just... can't leave religion alone no he cannot there's a bit of a side for you i've I, I've just done a review for for the paper of uh, Benediction, Terence Davies' latest film about Siegfried Sassoon. Terence Davies is a cradle Catholic who's now atheist. He just cannot leave religion alone. Every single one of his films is examining this, not necessarily critiquing it. You know, he's searching. He's searching for something that he cannot find, but, yeah. but fascinated by the search. Yeah, and I think and, that, I think I think there's an element of Jack in that. I see I see that in yeah. in this character. And without doubt, Jack is searching. And again, one of the strong themes in the book is, is how you live a good life. And Jack yeah. keeps describing himself as, I mean, he has a pretty, pretty um, shady past, but he keeps describing his failures and the fact that he's, you know, he's, he's kind of useless and, and damaging. And yet his whole purpose, particularly in his relationship with Della, is how to live a good life, isn't it? And how to yeah. be, he, he talks about wanting to be harmless, but actually he wants so much more. He's constantly wrestling with, with what, what action of his um, will bring her happiness. And of course, the big, big dilemma is the fact that they can't really be together. Um, no. I don't know, for a modern reader, it's that segregationalism, and that's quite shocking. I, I was surprised by how shocked I was because I knew the theory of the fact that they couldn't mix, but actually reading such an intimate account as yes. created by the author, you just, I mean, it's just, it's quite hard to take, isn't it, as a modern reader? It is, and I think it raises a, a more general issue um, that uh, how quickly, really, how quickly in, in society, and I'm talking about British society just as much as American society, etc., is how can attitudes can change. You know, the age I've reached, I, I can look back and think, how could we? How could we have had sort of whites-only uh, bars and things in, in Britain? How could we have been um, as condemnatory of homosexuality as, as we, we have been, um, et cetera, et cetera. Attitudes have changed, not necessarily always by everybody's standards for the better, but at least they, they, things do change. And that's yeah. something in itself that can be encouraging. If they can change one way, they can change back again yeah. if, that, if, if it, it doesn't actually work out that well. I thought also... Uh what Marilyn Robinson did very cleverly was that she shows otherwise good people holding these attitudes. So for example, you have the very sympathetic, kind landlady in Chicago who looks after Jack. And then as soon as he, she hears about Della, you know, completely changes. And I think that was quite a, it was, a, for me, it was a very um, good reminder that, that, you know, any of us might have held some of these attitudes if they were, you know, prevailing at the time. And it was just a very realistic thing. It wasn't saying anybody who held these attitudes is automatically, you know, terrible. Um, it was showing that actually many people held them sincerely. It doesn't make them right. There is that element, but, but I think there's also, for me, there's an, uncon there's an unconscious, unconscious complicity with institutionalized uh, racism in, in, in 
in the book. Mm, mm, mm. Less less apparent, it would seem, in Iowa, small town Iowa, where there probably aren't that many black people anyway, than the big cities. But uh, nevertheless, uh, everybody goes along with it somehow or other, yeah. you know. And uh, and in fact, um, Della's parents and Della's minister father, uh, he says we're getting on we get on very well by having the, having this. Yeah. If, you know, if if we start doing some any any interracial stuff, we're going to be in trouble. We're we're doing very well as a as a church. It both. Yeah. He believes spiritually, but also materially. Uh, yeah. Whereas, if if you rock the boat, you know, think think things could get very nasty indeed. It's unconscious at one yeah. level. Yeah. You yeah. Know, the, yeah, that's the law. You get along. You get along with it. Yes, yeah. and it is interesting, isn't it, that some of the greatest condemnation comes from Della's side of the family, not not from, yes. from white people. I thought that was yes. you know, was poignant and and powerful. Um, yeah. yeah, that's right. And I can think of films that have done done that. You know, my wearing my film hat. I mean, guess who's coming to dinner, which is, uh, uh, well, I've got various views about that, but the the the, the, the black parents of Sidney Poitier are, are just as hostile to the possibility yes. yeah. of an interracial marriage uh, uh, as as others might be. And and the, the, the white liberal Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn uh, characters <laughs> seem to be so, so much, much more open-minded really yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. interesting yeah. it is interesting isn't it mm -hmm. okay so we've got this very very strong commentary on on racism in here um which again of course is is sort of powerful for today another big theme in the book i thought was um was sin and redemption and whether whether jack can be redeemed by love i wonder what you thought about that Yes, I think the biggest sins in the book, by everyone really, uh, are to do sins of omission. It's what we don't do. It's a bit like Jack saying, uh, you know, he wants to be harmless. Well, it's like people who say, well, I never done anybody any harm. Have they done anybody any good though? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think there's there's an element of, of, of that, that, that it's, it's what we don't do or fail to do that should be done that that that's quite strong quite strong in in the book and the redeeming features really are, are, are manifold that um first of all i think we have a, a narrator a marilyn robinson herself mm. as it were who recognizes that uh we see through a glass darkly in fact she talks about um Ka john calvin you know calvinism being big with her about uh, mir mirrors in the time of Calvin's period often being rather distorted they, 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 they hadn't really got the technology quite right and mirrors often gave a sort of rather distorted view of, of, of how, how we look and these characters in, in the book have a distorted view of, who, of how they look Jack mm -hmm. is forever doing himself down and, and, mm -hmm. and in fact he's got all kinds of goodness in, in him and uh, and others fail to see both that in Jack, but but in themselves as well. And I think that's the redeeming feature is when when somebody holds up a, a better mirror to them and says, "Hey, that's who you are. Yeah, that's yes, how I yes. see you." And yes. I think we get quite a lot of that in in, in the whole the whole of the, the the book and indeed the the other narratives. And of course, if you've read the other ones or at least one or two of the other ones, you you start to put together. These are different perspectives. Mm, Jack sees mm, himself mm. in this way, but do do the other characters in Gilead or uh, Lila or whatever it is 
do they see Jack in quite that way? They seem to be very tolerant of him, very forgiving. They can't necessarily understand him, but they are sort of prepared to keep keep persevering with him for one yeah. reason or another. I think that's strong in, in this, this novel as well. Yes, and that's where a multi-narrator, this is obviously, this is all from Jack's point of view, but the multi-narrator thing that you get with the four books is really interesting, isn't it? Because yeah. as you say, we always have a, we always have a partial view of other people. I suppose one question I have is, is I mean, I mean, you might know the answer to this, given the other books, but, you know, do they have a future? Do, will they will they be able to live um, together in the way they want to? I don't think the other books give you an awful lot of no. hope that uh, that it's going to be they all live happily ever after. I, I see it more of it's and, and for the other characters as well in their lives, it's about pick yourself up and dust yourself off and start all over again. And that's that's timeless. You keep you keep on doing that. And this is the way in which um, we are. I often think of it about in terms of, you know, in, in English grammar, we, t- we talk about the present, but I think particularly powerful is the continuous present. Not I just, I go to church, I am going to church. I, I like to think when I'm saying the creed, I'm just, I turn to Christ. I am turning to Christ. Mm-hmm. I am repenting of my sins. It's a continuous process. It's dynamic. And I think I think that's what she picks up in her books. Yeah. That, uh, yes, this is not the end of the story. And no. if it doesn't, if it, if it does end here on earth, there's still, st- still another chapter waiting in heaven. Yeah, we're all works in progress, to coin a cliche, aren't we? But yeah, and I think again, that is one of the things I love about Marilyn Robinson's um, writing. Is I, I mean, I'm not a fan of neat endings because that's not what life is like, is it? No, um, and I think no. that's one of the things that she does so well. It's messy, it's broken, it's sort of you know there are sort of loose ends all over the place. Now, in your introductory piece um, that you wrote about this, you refer to Marilyn Robinson's literary influences. Um, can you talk us through some of the echoes that you picked up? Because there were quite a, quite a few yes. overt ones. Yes, I did. I did did a little bit of research on this because I did, wasn't sure sure it was apparent to me in 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 the in the novels, which, in a sense, is accommodation itself of her, her own her own particular voice. But she did her uh, PhD uh, thesis on Henry the Sixth Part Two, the Shakespeare, and. I don't know it well enough to be able. To, I've seen all three parts, but in in a single day I saw them actually, well, on one occasion. But the quote that I I think I've perhaps put it in 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 the piece I've written for the Church Times, where believing souls gives light in darkness, comfort in despair, and it's the believers like Della, uh, like the Church congregation, the Black congregation in in St Louis that give comfort and despair to uh, to Jack but it's not just church church people it's it's it's, it's other people as well it's the the uh, the shopkeeper that that employs him it's uh, you know it's various people that give some light and darkness some comfort and despair and she says that the most important influence on her literary wise is Moby Dick which uh, is about the way in which a quest becomes an obsession, really, mm-hmm. and, and and it's in many ways a paradigm for discovering meaning and beauty amid all the sham and uh, drudgery and broken dreams of uh, uh, that people often have in the in this world. That you you know you dream you do dream the impossible dream, and I think I think uh, can see why she thinks Moby Dick is is such an important 
important part. But she does quote Shakespeare quite a bit in this, yeah. uh, Jack, particularly Hamlet. Yes. We've got this copy of Hamlet, uh, the book Hamlet, and yes. it, uh, it goes to and fro a bit yes. in, the, in, in, in it. And one can think of all kinds of things in in. In Hamlet, that might actually link link with uh, Jack's condition, let alone other people's condition yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I think those are the, the main influences that I I discern. But and perhaps other people could see other things. And there's a lot of um, uh, there's a lot of literature woven through it, isn't there? And this shared love of books, um, and a lot of their conversation, Della and Jack, their conversation is about their love of literature and, and finding things in books and you know yes. going to the library and his job in the bookstore at one stage um that runs all the way through it doesn't doesn't it it does uh, it does yeah. and, and they uh, find comfort and meaning in in literature yes there's, there's they find co common values but they find you know, common interests as well yeah. you yeah. know it's uh it is a love match and yeah. uh, you hope you you hope that it will prosper eventually uh, whether yeah. it does or not yeah well we're not sure well, I don't know if this is answerable, Stephen, but in a couple of sentences, um, what is it about this book that you so loved and wanted to share with read other readers? Well, I think it's what what I, what I did find particularly helpful for myself, you know, personally reading, as uh, you know, because the text reads you as you as well as you read in the book, doesn't it? And what I've already said about this sort of start all over again kind of attitude that you know re redemption is a continuous present mm -hmm. it's so dynamic it's going on and that 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 was important to me and i think it it sort of helps really that, that you know that there have been previous books as well as this one which gives a bit of an indication that this isn't the full story mm -hmm. and in a sense that life isn't the full story you know mm -hmm. you often hear people it can become a bit of a cliche people say say things to you like you know about life this isn't a rehearsal and I want to say no it isn't a rehearsal but it's only act one <laughs> right yes and I yeah. think I think there's something about Marilyn Robinson it's only act one and sadness and gladness both Wait in the wings. And I like, I think I've got the quote right. William Blake, joy and woe are woven fine, a clothing for the soul divine. And when this we rightly know, through the world we safely go. That it's sometimes it's it's the sadnesses and the, the blackness that actually moves us on, uh, redeems us in a way yeah. that I think she's very good at as well. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Um, and she's hugely admired around the world. And her fans include um, Rowan Williams and Barack Obama, um, amongst others. And I read somewhere the novelist Sarah Perry, who I admire very much, said that Marilyn Robinson had taken on the status of literature's spiritual leader. Um, right. And a, yes. I think that was rather a nice description of her. It certainly is. I've not read any of Sarah Perry. Oh. I think uh, I, I think I should... I'd recommend her. more about her now. I'd, I'd you recommend her. my appetite. Yeah. yeah, yes. So from this book, who are they? I mean, I often find with a good book, the characters or a character, you know, accompanies me, lives on with me after I finished reading it. Who was it for you? Was it Jack who stays with you? Or, or is it Della? Or I wonder who are the takeaway characters for you? Well... I think it's got to be Jack to some to a to a large extent, and it's very hard, at least for me, it is very hard to separate him from the parable of the prodigal son. Yeah. Yeah. What I love about that storytelling, which Marilyn Robinson to some extent imitates, is you're left with a lot of loose ends. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Does the does the elder brother go into the feast? We're not told yeah. whether he do, yeah. does or not. Does he have a favorite bad mood and stay stay outside? Yeah. You know what is going to happen? We don't we don't know, and um, the possibilities are not exactly endless, but there's certainly a, num a number yeah. of them. What so happens that, the next that day? Stays with me for that yeah. reason, yeah. what what yeah. what is going to happen to him, yeah. poor lamb? What is going yeah. to be the outcome for him? And yeah. you just hope. Hope for the best, although yeah. you realise the, the situation is, is difficult. Yeah. So he, yeah. he stayed with me. But actually, some of the, it's some of the big parts that, get, that mm. um, stayed with me. I've already mentioned the the the, the minister, the yes. rather severe minister at the, at the Black black Church, who, uh, you know, is, is holding out. And I think why I keep thinking about the, uh, the night porter or whatever he is yes. at the, the flop house. Yes. And in one sense, he's just, you know, he, he's almost insignificant but he he sums up so many of the attitudes that are around the place i was thinking of him and he doesn't even have a name he's just the clerk no, isn't he? no. <laughs> i was thinking of him he's just there the whole way um the he whole is, way uh, you know he's, he's but he's got some redeeming features yes. he says look you he know has... that uh I'll, i i i won't report you this time but yeah, yeah, you know yeah yeah just watch yes. yourself a bit and yeah. he surprises he surprises Jack every now and again, as as people yes. will. You know, you sort of think you know what he's going to say, and he says something different. No, I I thought yeah. I really liked him. I agree, just sort of, um, yeah. And I liked I have to say I liked Della's flatmate Lorraine, who was you know she was oh yes, great talking, you know, yes. yes, but 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 well drawn. I thought there were mm. I think there were lots of minor characters where you sort of think oh it's interesting, and Della's Aunt Delia, and you know it's it's a rich book, isn't it? It's a rich. Cheers, book. there's a lot. A lot of yeah. good characters there. Yeah. Yes, you want, you know, I want to know more about you. That's that's that. I think that's a sign of a, a good read. You think, oh yeah, I want to, I want to hear more about you. Yeah. And of course, yeah. sometimes that's what authors do. You get a second story that's about somebody that was only partly in the in the yeah. in the in the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think she does that particularly well. Um, no, that's great. So we've been discussing Jack by Marilyn Robinson, which is published by Virago. And um, you can read Stephen's introductory essay and see some questions for discussion um, for your book club in the Church Times. Um, and now, finally, Stephen, can you recommend something else that you have read recently that you think our readers might enjoy? Well, I think it's really on the back of uh, this uh, Marilyn Robinson novel that uh, talking to uh, a friend of, of mine, he he recommended a, a book by Kent Haruf called Plain Song. I think I don't know an awful lot about about the the author. He's, he's no longer with us, but he uh, I think he's come. His father was a Methodist minister, I think. But uh, this is uh, a book about set in a small town, Colorado. At one level, it's about three three different sets of people, but they coalesce and, and overlap in, in various ways throughout it. And he's very understated. You know, it doesn't say an awful lot. You've got to read this, uh, read the the space between the words a bit. Uh, but that's part of its charm and part of its power, actually. But but you've got a pregnant schoolgirl. You've got uh, two old farmers who. In, at one level, no, they know a lot about farming, but they don't know an awful lot about other human beings who befriend her. And there's um, an, another chap who's been a, who is a school teacher. How for how long is is dubious? Uh, with with a couple of young sons and a, a wife who's I think mentally ill, really, and uh, uh, trying to cope with all these different 
different things and yet somehow in the midst of all all that's going going on there's there is a haunting beauty to the to their lives that there's there's goodness there sometimes uh, unobserved by themselves but other people see it in them and I, I i think that's it's it's warm without being sloppy I was about to say it's really heartwarming, isn't it? And and again, I think he, the author is very, very good at getting under the skin of people in the way that Marilyn Robinson does. I really recommend another of his books called Our Souls at Night, which is very beautifully done. Um, no, thank you very much for recommending that. My recommendation is totally different. It's not a novel. It's a book by John Pritchard, 20 Questions Jesus Asks and How They Speak to Us Today, uh, which came out earlier this year. Um, John is a popular writer on the Christian life, um, and he says this book, which is his 20th, is his last. So I would urge his fans to get hold of a copy. Mm. And his thesis is that um, rather than being in transmit or teaching mode, Jesus frequently asks questions and questions that sometimes sound innocent, but were often very unsettling, like what are you looking for or who do you say I am? And in each of the case, each 20 questions, he tells, uh, retells the background story as a first person account in a sort of um, imaginative Ignatian approach, I think we might say. And then he asks what the question might mean for us today and follows that up with more questions and um, prayer ideas. And as with all of John's books, it's very accessible and um, it's a kind of easy read, but that doesn't mean it isn't, it isn't, it isn't deep and won't provide lots of food for thought. So it's very accessible, I'd say, and highly recommended. So there's something different again. Very good. I love that quote of uh, the poet Rilke, uh, learn to love the questions. Ah, never mind, never mind about yes. the answers, learn, yeah. learn to love the questions. And that's a really mm. good note to end on. Stephen, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure talking to you about books. And you, Sarah. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Church Times podcast. You can find more news, analysis, comment and book reviews on our website, churchtimes.co.uk. If you are not yet a subscriber to The Church Times, you can try your first 10 issues for just £10. You'll get the paper delivered to your door every Friday, plus full access to our website and digital archive. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash subscribe to find out more.